Welcome to the Yana podcast, a mental health podcast where we're going to talk about life, hear stories of strength, and get all in our feelings so we can remind you that you are not alone. Our hosts are me, Carly, and Becca. Both of us are super passionate about mental health, advocacy, education, and shattering that stigma. We love creating opportunities for young people to share their stories and experiences about navigating mental health and life in general. The content of this podcast may contain mature subject matter, such as discussions about suicide, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, sexual or physical violence, as well as the use of strong language. Listener discretion advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome. So as we always do, we're going to start off by giving you a little rundown on why we do this thing. Yes. And I'm sure that our regular listeners can memorize this at this point. But we're going to do it anyway for the newbies. The newbies. Yes. Yes. Um, So Carly and I both work for NAMI. We do, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And Becca and I are the luckiest ones because we get to work for the NAMI Philadelphia, Pennsylvania affiliate. So we do a lot of cool stuff um, around education and support. And what else do we do, Beck? We do a lot of cool things. We do a lot of cool things. We're an advocacy organization. Um, so, you know, we're involved in lots of different ways in which we can help the millions of Americans who are impacted by mental illness. Um, so yeah, we do that through support, uh, education. And one of the educational programs that we have is called Ending the Silence. And it's a teen mental health educational program where we go to schools, youth programs, colleges, all over the place and we talk to young people about mental health and yeah. yeah and awareness and what to do and all of that and the coolest part about the presentation is that it's company accompanied by a person <laughs> who shares the story of their own mental health journey um so since covid um change the world i we haven't been able to do it did do that it did we haven't been able to do things the way we would typically do them so once upon a time and far far away every time we began oh i don't like that one she changes it she just wants to be a renaissance queen really that's it (laughs) that's what this is about once upon a time in a land far away, we gave birth to the Yana podcast. There it is. Renaissance Fair. Hire her. Hello, PA Renaissance Fair. Hire Becca. And Yana stands for? You are not alone. Yay. Yay. I am not trying out for the Renaissance Fair. Oh man. So yeah, we're super pumped. We love this podcast. As you guys know, we've had some really awesome guests on here from all across the globe. Um, and we've got to really connect with people that we may not have gotten a chance to connect to, um, if it wasn't for this podcast. So we're really excited. We love it. And today we have a really super duper guest that Becca will introduce. Yes. Um, And I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to say that 
I know I always say this, but this time, this is the most. I am the most excited about our guest today. This person, <laughs> the, most. <laughs> the most is this person means so much to me. Um, it's me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so today's guest is Gabe Leadman. Gabe is a television writer and producer known for his work on Pen15, Broad City, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And most recently, he just launched his own show created by, executive produced, and is starring in um, Q-Force, which is on Netflix. And it's about uh, LGBT secret agent group and it's awesome. It's yes, that sounds fantastic. And it's like also starring really cool people like Sean Hayes and Dan Levy's in it. And he's like my favorite and all of these cool people. And then he can talk about Gary Coleman, all this stuff. So, but anyway, that's really cool. And then he wrote this. I did not. He wrote this and I just thought it was the cutest thing. He's also been friends with your host, Becca Lane, and me. Since childhood, which is actually important, <laughs> which is actually more important than his career achievements, if you think about it. Aww. That is precious. <laughs> so welcome, Gabe. Thank you. Yes, Queen. Yay. We love Gabe. I'm so happy to be here. And awesome. I stand by the last sentence of that bio. <laughs> yes. So, so Gabe and I have been like besties since what, like fifth grade or fifth something? Fifth grade, yeah, something yeah. like that. Fourth grade, fifth grade. And we, like, I mean, it's just, we don't see each other as often now because he lives on the West Coast and I live on the East Coast. Um, <laughs> we do, when we do, it's like no time has passed. We've been able yeah. to Zoom a few times during the pandemic, which is great. It's brought us closer. Like, I love that. Yeah, we definitely, I love that you organized the Zoom check-ins. That was really good, really helpful. Yeah, we helpful. need to, yeah, we need to do more of those because it's yeah. nice, I think, for all, all of us. So, um, wow, please excuse these <laughs> stupid. Becca lives like snap, like snap. What is that word? Smack dab in the middle of the city. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. was a center city motorcycle. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. We've been having an issue with the motorbikes and the drag racing down JFK Boulevard that I live on. So, oh no, I just geotagged myself. Oh, well, I hope <laughs> <laughs> the throngs of fans that we have are going to be For bombarding sure. my part. Um, but anyway, so yeah. So Gabe and I just, we go back. He's one of my favorite people in the world. I love him so much. So I have been able to not just watch him grow up, but also watch his career, you know, and, um, and also I saw on IMDb that part of your bio is also that you are married. I am. Incredible man who, and apparently you got married on my birthday. <laughs> and that's how we chose the date, actually. <laughs> Perfect, right? And that is how we picked our wedding date. <laughs> it was not only Becca's birthday, but it was also la pride which we also like didn't think about but then it was like weirdly perfect oh my god um, yeah we um yeah we got married in 2017 in the spring oh and my gosh, i got married in the spring of 
2017 to a woman. Yay! 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 It was a big moment for same-sex marriages. It was. Oh, yeah. Um, Like Pride is a bucket list for me. It's super fun. It is Mm -hmm. a super good one. Uh, They really, there's the parade, but the whole city kind of just like shuts down, opens up in its different way. It's really fun. It becomes a real pedestrian situation there's usually a concert that's like a little bit too late for me to go to (laughs) yeah me now too probably now that i'm a old mom (laughs) yeah people are like something starts at eight o'clock and i'm like are you on cocaine because yeah not in in bed watching tiktok yes (laughs) oh Um, that's awesome so yeah so um and daniel is your husband and he yes he's a writer, right? He's also a writer. Yeah. He writes books. So he's like an author. Um, but we, um, yeah, look up his stuff. Daniel Zamparelli. He's incredibly talented, really, really funny, good stuff. Um, but we also like, we spent part of this pandemic writing a script together. So that was our first time collaborating in his first script ever. So that was also like a fun experience. That was at Q-Force? That was not Q-Force. It's something that I don't know, maybe I'll something will happen with it in the years okay. to come but okay. it was like like a fun um weird like use of our, us both being in the house you know yeah, like I love that yeah and like uh an experiment like is this something we can do we're both like creative writers um so that yeah. was fun really cool wow well fun oh my so, god yeah yeah um and okay. we didn't kill each other Bingo. See, that's what I was going to ask is like, I know that there was a lot of stress on relationships, like being in a house together all the time and like, you know, and then working together. Like I know for my mom, there was like a little bit of relief getting to like go in her office and her -hmm. her apartment to like. Majorly. Mm -hmm. But like, was that stressful in your relationship at all or? Yeah, it was like a big adjustment. Like before this pandemic, like I was, I would commute to an office and like spend all day at the office and he would have the house to himself. Same. Um, And having us both in here, both trying to work, um, we figured it out and it wasn't like that bad, but it was a huge thing to get your mind around, just like a completely new routine. At this point, I think we're like a little used to it. We have like times of the day that we yeah. you know like I'm in the office right now which is also our gym I don't know if you can see that over my shoulder so it's like you know there's like a little bit of juggling to do but um his work is pretty flexible and mine uh is like very zoom centric so like we you know with those ingredients like we've been able to figure it out but it's weird we also used to be like before we got married we were long distance he's Canadian right. So um, we were like, we went from spending, you know, half of our time together to all of our time together, which is another Mm -hmm. like thing to adjust to, but it's been good. Um, But we didn't know if it would be good or not. You know, it was just sort of a circumstance thing. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I love that. I can't wait to hear more about you and your story. I love, I'm very excited. But before we jump in to that, I want to do our (laughs) little check-in. And I have like just a silly, simple question. It's not going to be super deep today. 
but okay. how are you guys? I will check in first and then I'll give you the question. So the, well, actually I'll give you the question and then I'll check in. So okay. the question is, and maybe this is just cause I'm hungry is what is your favorite fast food spot? And what is your order at that fast food spot? Oh, easy. Oh, okay. Wow. So <laughs> this is, a, this is a hot topic. I feel like, and you can tell, I feel like people have their they're like, they're spot. What if I have like 800 answers to this? Literally, Becca, Becca always has like 17 answers. Just this like one, one, this one, I have a number one. This one, oh, I have wow. a okay. one. The first one that comes to mind. I will start. I'm great. I'm tired as crap, but I am good. Um, I've got a lot to be grateful for. I've got a lot of good things happening in the in the world over here um, in my little sphere. My kids are amazing. My wife is incredible. Like I have a lot of things to be grateful for. So I'm just tired, man. Like, can I get an amen from the moms in the back? Because <laughs> I'm tired and that's that. Um, my go-to all the time, like I can't think of any other thing that I want more than I want this in this moment is the 10 piece chicken nugget meal with sweet and sour sauce, fries and a Diet Coke from McDonald's. That's my husband's go-to, by the way. Like literally fire. Like that's yeah. what I need in my body at this very second. And that's it. Like I like ride or die for that meal. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely one of my favorites as yeah. well. But I definitely have a number one. And Dave, you will remember this, I think. So, Oh my God, great. <laughs> yes. I mean, there are times where I'm feeling like frisky and I'll get like a McChicken or like a double cheeseburger, but I am devoted to the 10 piece chicken nugget meal. And it has to be with sweet and sour sauce. Yes. Or else I will not eat them. I will not eat them. I agree with that hundred so, percent. Actually- that's my answer. <laughs> I actually have some sweet and sour sauce left over from. I, I, I was going to say, we have some packets in the fridge because sometimes they forget it. I yeah. keep, yeah, here we go. I keep extras in my glove compartment. <laughs> I keep extras in my fridge because they often forget. And that yeah. is thin. I'm like, I will not eat these. I will throw them directly in the garbage. <laughs> I will not eat them. So well, I, I won't go that far, but <laughs> I won't. I'll be like, this is gross. I dip my fries in it, everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole, the whole thing. So anyway, that's me. Becca, <laughs> how are you? And what are you hungry for? <laughs> okay. So I've not been good. I have been very, very de- depressed. Um, been going through this. I, um, I have been really depressed. I met with my psychiatrist finally, and we're going to be doing some alterations on my meds. I'm feeling yeah really good right now though for the first time in a long time because one I've been watching Q Force all morning and it's been making me laugh which I haven't done in a while either mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have been looking forward to doing this with Gabe for so long and I love him so much so that is making me really happy um so I, I I'm hoping I have like a plan moving forward on like my, my, I had two hours of therapy this morning yeah. um, and I have like therapy scheduled this week and another psychiatrist appointment scheduled this week. I have a schedule and how I'm tapering, you know, uh, going on to Your my medication stuff, yeah. and stuff and uh, going to a new doctor. Good. I've had Good. a lot of body pain, which is added to my, um, you know, to my strep, my levels of happiness. Um, and so I have a plan and that's, yeah 
that's making me feel a little bit more hopeful. Cause that's that- good. And you have that pep talk from Shay. And I had that pep talk from Shay. My three-year-old sent her a video and it was a little pep talk saying like, you are bold, you are brave, you can do it. Yay. <laughs> I love that. Yes. I'm proud of Rebecca. Thank you. And like one of the biggest, you know, when I talk about like what, like when people ask me like how I cope with my mental illness, like one of my like go-tos is connection and here we are connecting. So I know that this will be really helpful. It's already been helpful for my state of mind and, you know, so love you. Love you. All right. (laughs) Give me your, give me your fast food order, sis. Easy. Uh, Taco Bell. And (laughs) I get the two uh, cheesy gordita crunches and two two crunchy tacos. And they did have a meal where you could get a cheesy gordita crunch and two crunchy tacos. However, they don't anymore, but I still, so I just order separately a soda and it's either a Dr. Pepper or a root beer, depending on which one you go to. Sometimes they have either. I love that. But yeah, that's what I do with Amanda, who's also one of our best friends. Yeah, that's like our, that for each other's birthdays and just special occasions. We'll go get it. I love a crunchy taco. Remember when we were at one of the NAMI conferences and we had time to go to dinner? We were like, oh, like, let's go out to dinner. We could go do anything. We literally could go anywhere for dinner. We went to Taco Bell. Yeah. (laughs) And it was so good. You know, that was like up until... April, that was the only restaurant <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. I had been to since 2019. That's the only restaurant I went to in all of 2020. Wow. wow. Yeah, that was like right before things got weird. It was like the week before because if you remember on the drive there to Pittsburgh, yep. I kept saying, like, use hand sanitizer. I'm hearing about this virus that's mm-hmm. around. And wow. yeah. Gosh, she's like, now I'm hungry for a crunchy taco. Yeah. Dang. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, Gabe, what's good? How are you doing? How's your heart? How's your head? And what are you hungry for? (laughs) Okay. I am doing good right now. Um, I'm like kind of like surface coming out of a funk. Um, And like coming off of like two pretty rough weeks of just like a lot of depression Mm -hmm. and anxiety and poor sleep and like poor Mm -hmm. habits and um just not like treating myself right but it this has been like a better week I do like really well when I have um a routine and I was sort of like between between routines and then like started like having somewhere to report to, I mean, on zoom, but like having a daily routine again as of Monday. And, um, that just like really does it for me. (laughs) Like, I just feel a lot better. Um, when I know what I'm supposed to be doing and I feel productive and it's not just sort of like watching the day tick by. Um, and I also like about a month, I don't know. I've done this a bunch of times, but I stepped away from social media like Ah. completely and it's just night or day for my mental health. Like so important to do that. Cannot look at it um, and can't engage. And that's just been 
so helpful. So I'm feeling really good today. This has been a really good week, but I, if I'm being honest, it's not been a good month. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, my, and I, yeah, sorry. I just want to say also like for me too, like, and I know that you were in a similar boat, like we were just, well, I was, a, I started college a year after you did because I took a year off, but 9-11. Yeah hit me really hard this time because it was like the 20 year anniversary. And I know you were in New York city for, you know, we were like babies and mm-hmm. yeah, not actually babies. We were in college. Not, yeah. We were, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I was a baby. However, we were yeah, 19, Carly, Carly was, was I was in like fourth grade, I think. No, oh maybe gosh. I don't remember, but yeah. I was in sophomore year of college. I remember that day. Like I, I had, seventh grade okay that's basically an adult no just kidding um <laughs> uh I remember like ha- I had really early class and I guess the attacks were like around nine in the morning um mm-hmm. and I was in Manhattan but uptown and I got home from class and there was all these voicemails from my roommate's mother that were really panicked and I was just like what is she talking about because we didn't have a tv or any you know mm. I just like woke up went to class whatever and then went to my friend Jenny's house or her dorm room she did have a tv and we turned on the news and it was like oh my god mm-hmm. yeah it was psychotic yeah yeah, yeah. That's tough that's t- that was tough stuff an ingrained memory forever I feel like yes you were old enough like I feel like I was old enough yeah exactly where you are was like, exactly how you felt do we go give blood what do we do yeah, what do right we do? Yeah. and being like in the vicinity yeah and like I've told my and is there another one coming Right. right. That was the yeah. whole panic of the day. And that was like, you know, if whoever's listened to my story on here, they like, I have a story about it too. Like I I was next to the Pentagon. So different city, but like similar, like being yeah. the, yeah. But anyway, so it, I just was, cause it's been like this last couple of weeks and I don't know, it hit me really hard this year. So. Yeah. I totally hear that. It's such a crazy I mean, crazy anniversary. I also just can't believe like the passage of time. Like Seriously. we're not that young. I, guess. <laughs> you I mean, amazing. like seriously, we're old enough for something like that to have been 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. So we've known each other for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I love that. I love that, that so much. Crazy. Oh, well, you guys over, are over. No, like probably just about thirty years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is sick. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Gabe. I need to know where Gabe wants Sorry. to go. Professor, this is like. <laughs> oh a, yeah. This is like a spiritual gift. Okay. She, so. She oh, sorry. <laughs> She what? I said she likes to interject and talk and like get all of the the conversations out. But the I need to I need to keep a structure. Need yeah, to keep a structure. Okay, well here's my um eighty part answer. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so I live. Okay, so it like probably number one would be the two cheeseburger meal at McDonald's. Fire. Um, I meal. believe that's the number two. I'm acting like I literally don't know is the number for two. sure. Yeah, <laughs> but I know for sure it's the number two. Um, <laughs> with regular Coke. Um, I, as a kindness to myself, just stop doing diet soda. Like I've that just been like you know none of it's good. None you know what I mean. Good. 
Um, so the, the, I go for the flavor now. Um, I yeah. really, so, but I grew up in Philly. I, I miss Wawa more than anything. Uh -huh. I just walked my dog for an hour and uh, I have wore, wore my Wawa baseball cap that my mom got me I for my birthday. I was just there this morning. Uh, got a so 24 I, ounce coffee from the Wawa. I miss their hoagies that you order through the touch screen. That's mm -hmm. like, if I could have any meal, it would just be like a Wawa hoagie that I type in. All the things that you want. All the things, the banana peppers, all oh, of that. Banana peppers, their banana peppers. Oh it's man. So good. It's so um, good. And then yeah. now that I, I've been on the West Coast now for like um, nine-ish years, and there's a chain out here called Del Taco that has it's it's up there. It's up there with McDonald's for me. And they have um these on their dollar menu, they have these things called chicken rollers. I already which love don't it. sound delicious, but they're basically like an empty taco with just chicken and cheese and yes, salsa. Please. And it's one dollar, a thousand of them. So that, that's my West Coast choice. My East Coast choice, Wawa, Hoagie, Global, McDonald's number two. Thank have you I, have I talked for long enough? <laughs> that comprehensive answer. Yes, that's very like geographically yeah. fantastic. Um, <laughs> very well like organized. And um, when Gabe and I were in high school, or even like after high school, we like our group of friends. We used to drive through the Taco Bell drive-through all the time. That's why I said like Gabe, you'll get this. And yes. Order the it was called a mucho grande meal, but we called it the muncho grande. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Yeah, yes. you little munchies. I'm sure you both, <laughs> knowing Becca and if you were friends yeah, with Becca that in was, high school, it you brought us had very close. Yeah. Often. Yeah. Often. Daily. Daily. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wild and crazy. Well, I can't wait to hear about your wild and crazy escapades, Gabe, because if you were friends with Becca, I can only imagine that you had a wild time in high school. Yeah, I would say we like, here's the thing, like we were the best of friends and we had a ton of fun, but we also were like, not the cool kids. Like there was definitely like people in our same age at our same school who were having crazier fun and, you know, more, more everything than we were, but we like, I think we really did it. Like we, we really had fun and yeah. like um especially towards the end of high school like 11th and 12th grade especially for me at least like that was those were the times and yeah. it was really good yeah oh my gosh the mems all the memories yeah yeah i mean the, bad, yeah, like, like there was like the super popular people that had like our grade was like super clicky in that there was just like the typical groups of like the jocks, the, you know, what would be cheerleaders. They weren't like yeah. cheerleaders, but what you could imagine would be like the, you know, super popular girls that were like, I don't know, also athletes. Our, our, I mean, our school was like super like college prep kind of school, like a preparatory school, but like, so there everybody was really smart <laughs> yeah yeah smart so like the popular kids were actually smart which is not also like what you see in wow. TV. right but yeah so anyway so we were and I... big wild parties and stuff like that that's I think what Gabe means like they would have yeah 
we were not allowed. We were not invited. <laughs> we were not invited to the big parties, but we had our own life, which I yeah. think was really cool. Yes, I was and we had plenty of, of a clique in high school. Did it have a nickname? It did. We were called the Fine Nine. You're welcome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we had a song and everything. And I'm right. still friends. I'm in one of my Fine Nine sisters' weddings in, in 2022. Nice. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't like super, I'm not super proud of the version of myself that I was in high school, but I was a part of a named clique. We also had the Foxy Five in our, in our high school. I, we were like rivals. Oh, I was gonna say, was that like a subdivision of the Fine Nine? No, no we, okay. had, we had a subdivision of the Fine I mean, I could give you a whole breakdown yeah, like of the Fine Nine on another. Varsity Five Nine. <laughs> it was a whole culture. But anyway, I wanna hear about Gabe. Gabe, yeah, tell me yeah. about you, who you are, just your journey, your story. Hey. And you can start from wherever you want to, and I'm sure that we will interject as needed. Okay, sure. Um, I grew up in Philly, Woo-hoo. Center City, right by South Street, uh, kind of the Penn's Landing, South Street E area. Um, and kind of like downtown Center City Jewish family. Um, went to K through 12 out in East Falls, Germantown mm-hmm. area, Quaker school. Um, and was one of the few city kids, just like Becca. Yeah. Um, it was like a real kind of like, even though I think that is like within city lines, it was like a pretty suburban school, yeah. um, with like a handful of city kids who took the bus in. Um, I was there from kindergarten. It was a pretty conservative environment. Um, knew from a very early age that I was gay. Um, also like everyone around me knew it, maybe mm-hmm. even before I did. Like, I do remember like in first grade being called gay and being like, what? Like, what is first that? grade? Yeah, wow. like how is a six-year-old any sexuality? But sure, I guess. Um, and you know, uh, sort of like the for those in for all 13 of those years, like it was like a very like unaccepted trait of mine. Mm-hmm. Also, um, besides being gay, I was always fat my whole life, which I still am and like, am fine with it, but like, or, you know, air quotes, <laughs> fine with it. it's something that I'll like always, you know, have some struggle with accepting, but mm-hmm. like to be fat and gay at like a uh, real conservative, tuck your shirt in, look this way kind of place was tough. Sure. Um, and not like just from the kids, it was tough from the adults too. And I think that's like one of the things that when I look back on like, yes, I was bullied by my peers, but I also was just like so unloved by the adults that I'm like, I think that's actually my damage now that I'm like 40. Sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> and I'm really like, hard. how do you treat kids like that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not a parent yet, but like I'm an uncle. And I also like, I don't know, live next to a school and I like see what, you know, high schoolers actually look like they're kids. Like, it's just, yeah. I, that's when I look back and I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Okay, so that's that's what I would say was like my childhood. I just want to interject because like, I, I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of the adults. Like, I also like look back at my 
damaged, you know, and like my being teased and stuff by like the kids and, you know, the other students, but like a lot of it come came from like our teachers, especially sure. in lower school, like my, or, I mean, I don't know, we're not going to do names. I, I don't Yeah. Don't be name names, <laughs> but like, you know, our fourth and fifth grade teachers, <laughs> fourth grade, mostly like those teachers were, um, like really added to my, you know, self-esteem issues. And what yeah. they say, like they would put you down and like say what mean things to you at like in fourth grade. I remember, um, my, one of the, the fourth grade math teacher, um, she, we had to write letters home to our parents. And, and first of all, I started at our school in fourth grade. So I was a new kid in fourth grade. New kid. And, uh, they, she, we had to write letters home to our parents to invite them to come to like a family meeting for worship. And cause we went to Quaker school. So we meet sure. and she, and I wrote like at the end, like, I love you at the end, you know, the letter. And she held up my letter in front of the class and was like, oh, I love you. I love you, daddy. Is this like a daddy's girl kind of thing? Like, ew. what the ew. hell, right? Like, no, I'm ew. sorry that you both experienced that from teachers and from like adults that you're supposed to trust and stuff. Right. Right. And I, I'm sure that other kids listening probably have very similar experiences where people that they trusted or thought were good, safe adults turned out not to be. Yeah. And like just the sort of like being the adult there, like having what should be a mature view on the social dynamics that you see amongst the kids and not doing anything to uplift the kids who are different but can't control it. Like they're not being difficult. It's like they're different and they're getting trounced, like trampled on to not be like, hey, actually, you're kind of good at art. Follow me or whatever, whatever it is. Like just absolutely no love. And um, I also look back and like, just to like through my adult lens, can uh, there's like, um, you know, that was a huge shortcoming, but I'm also like, there were so many queer teachers there mm-hmm. who just because of the, you know, the time were not a, probably allowed to be out or yeah. it wasn't safe for them to be out. And yep. they were probably dealing with their own damage. And I must've like, triggered them in some way but um you know well, there was just... one that was forced out remember there was one that was forced out or, or one of our fifth she was fifth and then followed us to six and then she became the head of the middle school I, I didn't realize that she was forced out I mean she's someone who I think of a lot yeah. I yeah. would pass her um in the neighborhood like our our school bus went down pine street on the way wow. home from east falls and uh like definitely like saw her like on 13th and pine or whatever you know what I mean like um and, and you saw her like you probably saw an ally in her like, I did you know, like, yeah way, and like but, she like, couldn't approach like, her in the school exactly setting. and she wasn't like mean to me like she was actually very 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 nice like one of the nicer teachers yeah I but, loved yeah her. like I in retrospect I'm like oh you know there was like a culture that was kind of like pummeling all of us but I do like I I do think uh, there was like just a lot of like crap going on. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, she even had a picture of her partner on the wall, like next to her desk. And like, she would tell us it was like her, her roommate or her friend or whatever. Yeah. Her sister or something. And they had like a son or something, didn't they? Or like, but she, she had a son, like her, 
partner had a son and they lived together or something, but she never said it was wow. her partner. Yeah. Maybe and I wonder if she's sad. probably not allowed to. Yeah. You know? I was going to say she was probably like pushed so far into a closet because of fear of losing a job or fear of something that she wasn't able to like be her true self. And same for you, Gabe, like you probably were like in this weird space. I was in a similar space where like as a gay woman, I was so afraid to come out or I was yeah. so afraid to like publicly be like, all right, cool. Like here I am, like I'm gay. So I did everything in my power not to be gay. <laughs> and like, I explored that. That was my like coping or like mm -hmm. trying to deal with it. It obviously didn't work. Like here I am now, like still gay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was probably hard. Did you find any support like outside of the school setting? Did you have like family that my family you? was very cool like with gay people we um lived in center city and like we're surrounded by gay people and then my parents like um I could see them being very accepting of them and very nice to them and like there was a restaurant in our neighborhood called Judy's which was like literally like a lesbian martini bar that also mm -hmm. had great food and we would like go there as a family every week for like our night out you know so it was yeah. like I knew like that gay wasn't bad in my parents' eyes, but I also still was scared to come out just because like of the time um, that we were living in. Like I, I didn't come out until I was 20. Um, so I was like halfway through college. Yeah. Um, and uh, had been living in New York City for a couple of years and had made some gay friends and was interested in starting to date and stuff. And like, you know, it was like just time to come out. I. I didn't my closet experience was not like me trying to date girls I just like, kind of like avoided the topic I think everyone just like knew I was gay but I was like please don't talk about it please don't and, talk about it yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean I remember like having an idea like I remember there being like certain things where like we we're I said something about Mel Gibson being really hot first of all Mel Gibson like where are we oh yeah 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 that really were, time capsule <laughs> yeah and you were like agreed you know, something like that. And I was like, hmm. and so, but like, you know, but we didn't talk about, it wasn't, we didn't talk. Yeah. About it just was taboo kind of. Yeah, taboo. I mean, yeah. you know, and my brother was going through the same thing, you know, where he, yep. he's three years younger than us. And, you know, we didn't, it, it was just not talked about at all. Like we had no point of reference in school or anything like Miss Gerb, uh, our school nurse, do you remember this? She had like a poster in her, in the nurse's office that was like a gay couple kissing, uh, yeah, straight couple kissing, interracial couple kissing. And it was like, love is love. And they made her take it down. I was oh my God. Yeah, I was in the office when they, when, you know what it was? It was, she went on, she had breast cancer. She was like gone for like a sem semester or trimester or whatever. And there was a like interim nurse or whatever and substitute nurse. And she got she the call and was like, she took it down while I was in. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, See, that's just like shows how, and so you had some, there was some kids that were really hard. Yeah, Becca said that you struggled a little bit with some bullying and stuff in high school. Oh yeah, definitely. Like a lot of like comments to my face, but also like a lot of like the prank calls were maybe the worst. Cause it was oh, like, no. cause then it's like my parents were aware, like 
it was like, you know, I could come home from school crying and be like, kids are mean to me, but it's actually different when like you're, you're having dinner with your family and the phone rings. It's just mm. so embarrassing. Embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing so embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was harder than like the comments. There was no violence, which was, I guess, a blessing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know, there's a the psychological violence and the like, what you know, I just some- never felt good, never felt accepted. What were some and of it the- made me be a jerk too, I feel. It made you be a jerk. I think so. Like I've heard that, that like sometimes individuals who are bullying um, are also being bullied or have been bullied before. So it almost like- Yeah, I feel like it just, I never could like put my shoulders down. You know, that's what it felt like. I just felt like I couldn't be as friendly as I actually am because I was like, my guard was up and I was like pissed off all the time. Major, major, major rage. Mm, I was just going to ask that. What were some things that like you- felt or like feelings that you had because of the bullying you know like you said you were you felt rage you felt I felt like- a ton of rage and I had a crazy like or sorry that's probably not the word to use on this podcast but like <laughs> really elaborate like rage filled um revenge fantasies mm-hmm. and like stuff that I had never shared with anyone but like I spent a lot of like time imagining how I would get back at people. And like, you know, it wasn't like acts of violence, but I would imagine like what it, it eventually like streamlined into like, if I had magical powers, mm-hmm. like it became like kind of, I guess, creative. I was just going to say <laughs> almost fun, like, non-fic- like, like this fiction story of like. But yeah, I was, I spent a lot of time in my imagination <clears throat> being like, if I had magical powers, how could I humiliate them the way they're humiliating me? You had and, so much hurt. There was so much yeah. hurt probably inside of your sweet soul and you didn't know how to process it so it turned into anger and rage yeah anger and rage and like fantasy and I can feel in my adulthood every once in a while like those that kind of brand of fantasizing comes back to me and I'm like okay I'm being triggered (laughs) by this person (laughs) I feel like or I've heard maybe in some of my research that I've done like as a because I'm a clinical social worker by profession um and Mm. I know sometimes kids that struggle with a lot of bullying or like tough times in childhood they almost like dissociate and yeah. like that's where a lot of that like fantasy stuff comes up because it's like an escape too yeah right? like you're like your current world is like bullshit so you're like let me create this alternative universe yeah where and I like, have a ton of power and, and I'm not the person being humiliated yes yeah. that's yeah. super I feel like super common just so you know you weren't like this like weird person creating yeah <laughs> no totally it's like really it makes perfect sense but that was like how I spent a lot of my like depressed angry time alone like that's what my nights would be for sure mm-hmm. how long was that going on like I mean I'm like also asking this from a place of like I love you so much and I you know and it was I was you know there um but I know we were not as close for like a couple of years in there um like middle school we were like you know, yeah. we went and did those stupid things where we would like buy the Jolt soda and stuff, like walk around Center City. Jolt soda. Dude. HMV records. Yeah, we thought we were so cool, like, because we would get like high on caffeine <laughs> <laughs> and smoke cigarettes. Um, 
but and then like I think in the early high school we weren't as close and then like yeah we started to get close again like on 11th and 12th grade and um and so I know there was so anyway I point being I um how long did this go on for? Yeah, how I long mean, yeah, like all of for? middle school, all of high school. It kind yeah. of went away in college um, when I feel like my life changed a lot, just like a major change of scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like was weird. Like I was kind of popular in college in a way that I wasn't in middle school and high school. Like it was like my brand of differentness was like cool. Yeah, in New York in a way that it wasn't yeah in a way that it just straight up wasn't um at our prep school um like like that Taylor Swift song came on like welcome to New York we've been waiting for you welcome that's exactly what it was yes like that would be she wrote that about me she's at 100 100% (laughs) wrote it about you but that I mean that I feel like is a place for a lot of self reflection and like self figure figuring out oneself happens in New York City yeah and it's like this kind of like extended second childhood where it's like you are living on your own in a different place but it's like or I I did the very privileged version of it where it's like you know I didn't still have like a ton of responsibilities yet you know like yeah if I had job I had jobs but it was like um mostly kind of a fantasy life where it was like mostly I was going to school yes I had jobs but um I wasn't a full adult in any way can you you tell the story real fast is this one of your like comedy bits like about um working at Magnolia uh yes (laughs) wait like Chip and Joanna Gaines Magnolia Bakery no okay so Magnolia that's they they that is the name of their company Magnolia but the uh, like Y2K era Magnolia Bakery was like the fancy cupcake shop that they go to on Sex in the City and yeah. there's a line around That's the right. corner. Yes. So it was like at that era, um, this tiny bakery that uh, was in the West Village is now like a national treasure and everyone, you know, there's one in LA, there's, they're all over. There's Amazing. probably one in Philly, I would imagine. Um, probably I think so yeah but it was like when the when cupcakes were like ooh, can you imagine a cupcake um (laughs) and I was an ice cream scooper there and like the place was so small that the ice cream didn't fit inside Mm -hmm. so we would we just had an ice cream truck around the corner on the sidewalk like in the village um with its own cash register and it was really dangerous um and (laughs) like we were just always like on the verge of getting like robbed you know constantly so they gave us like mace pepper spray to like keep the they were like if anyone starts to try and rob you just like pepper spray them grab the cash and run inside um and one night my like co scooper called out sick (laughs) she was probably on a ton of drugs um (laughs) and so I was there alone and it was like midnight and time to close. And uh, I was like, you know, closing out the cash register like in the middle of the night out on the street in New York City and someone approached and had like kind of a gravelly voice and was scary. And I thought I was about to get robbed. So I grabbed the pepper spray and was about to spray this person when like the manager came running outside and grabbed me and was like, don't, don't, don't pepper spray them. That's Lou Reed. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> wow. Looked, what a okay. story. Yeah. Looked, I mean, I was like, he looked like scary to me. Yeah. <laughs> and it was he like, looked, and I was like, I don't want to like die for this like cupcake place. You know what I mean? Like, this is not my, this is not my way out. Here. No, I'm going to pepper spray him. I might even give him the cash, but like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank God that man. I know he was man. like a millionaire and very famous, and I just didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know. know who he was. <laughs> I just love that. I love <laughs> that makes me good story. Good so story. okay, so you're in New York. You're doing. You're like having fun. You know, no response. Rebirth, like, kind like, of. Like a yeah. lot of people. Like a lot of people's college experience, and you know. So go on. And yeah, graduated from college, um, stayed around in New York City because by that point I knew I wanted to like work in entertainment and be um, in comedy. Um, so I stuck around and did stand up in New York for like another 10 years Wow! Um, and worked odd jobs and slowly um, got. And I just want to cut in and say that. Rooms. And I just want to say that like Gabe has always been funniest humans on the planet like always that was like his thing and I like and I think that like I've heard from a lot of comedians like it's part of like what they talk about a lot is like you know part of how they dealt with so much anger and yes trauma you know yeah Mm-hmm. through humor it was a major major coping mechanism through my whole life and it's also like a really direct and obvious way to just take over your narrative like you literally like walk into a room and a hundred people can't talk only you can talk and they only know what you tell them about you so it's like it's a very empowering thing or it was to me like I you know there's so many people who are like I would rather like die than do stand up. That's my worst nightmare. Right. But there it to a certain person, it is a like fantasy fulfilled. And I somehow am that person <laughs> where it actually that. felt great. I actually felt a lot better doing stand up than I did like even just socializing at a party. Like just the like trip of it, I guess. Yeah. Like, P.S. You can search for Gabe Liedman Comedy Central stand up. What was it called, Gabe? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have a half hour special on Comedy Central from (laughs) all the way back in 2013. Um, That's pretty funny. And I have an album. Um, I think it's hilarious. And yeah, the album is called Hi. Yeah, that's cute. Yes, it is. That's perfect. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you got into like, not just like doing stand up, but you got into like a scene. Like, I remember this, like, you know, like you had like a group, you did this improv night. First, yep. So Gabe started comedy sports at our high school, right? Like you brought comedy sports. To- you know, it was another girl who brought it and I'm like blanking on her name. I feel like it's Hillary something, but she was in the grade above us. Um, but I was in the, I just signed up for it right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was okay. in that like first group of people who did it, and you like wow, kept it going. Yeah, yeah, kept it alive. Yeah, so got into improv comedy in high school, which is really shocking. A lot of like um, high schools don't have that. Yeah, um, but that was really really cool. And so yeah, then I did improv all through college, and I like knew I liked performing and being in comedy, and then the sort of like that morphed into stand up, and I did that for 
like, yeah. yeah, 10 years in New York and made a lot of friends and a lot of peers and sort of was able to like parlay that into a professional writing career, which is like a lot like stand up, but um, it happens during the day, which is huge <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's right. like a like very livable lifestyle where you're still writing jokes all day and still like making people laugh, but you don't um, have to stay up all night or like be in a bar or travel. Yeah. Um, and so it's just like, it felt like once I experienced that, I was like, oh, this is my life. This is my yeah. life. I have two questions. Yeah. My first question is, is, or was it, or did you feel like it was common for the people in your community of stand-up comedians and artists to all have mental health challenges or to- Oh, yes. Yeah, was that common? Oh, yes, for sure. A lot of depression, um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of substance abuse, a lot of body issues. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. That was like a thing. <laughs> It yeah, was a major, it's a major thing, a major bonding thing. And it's also like, you know, um, like I said, like to a lot of normal people, stand up seems like a nightmare. Like that is maybe also like a little bit of like a signifier of like what made us yeah. <laughs> pursue that. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of my comedian friends are like, are people who are like, um, have have struggled are struggling are in therapy have been in therapy so it was a safe um, it was yeah. a safe space essentially for you to find out like or did you feel like it was a safe space to kind of say like hey I'm struggling or I'm having a hard day or like this freaking sucks like were you able yes to talk about that? and it was like an endless source of material too because yeah. like you know it's like when you are trying to write a joke, like, yes, you can write about like an election, but like, it's not gonna be as funny as if you like talk about what makes you weird. And then, you know, someone in the audience is like, oh my God, I'm weird in that same way. Like that's right. like actually the best comedy. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, a lot of my standup was about my body, about my sexuality. Um, yeah, those were the mm -hmm. two heavy, heavy topics. Heavy hitters. Heavy my, hitters. My other question, or I guess comment was that scene, right? Like Becca talks about a lot of times in her story, the like music scene or the, you know, the entertainment scene was a tough one to be a part of at times because of all that substance abuse and the like long hours and yeah. having to be on all the time. Like, was that part of your story at all? Did you dapple in? I mean, I like... I dab, I mean, I dabbled a ton in everything, <laughs> but I never like, I'm lucky to say that like, I was able to keep like, um, I didn't like, I'm, I'm just lucky I'm not an alcoholic, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely like, you know, so like when I did drink too much, I was able, I was luckily able, uh, able to be like, okay, I should probably cut down on that. Right. Like, but then I, you know, I did have like, you know, I have a very, I don't even know if this is a thing or if this is like a complete vestige of my generation, but like a quote unquote addictive personality. Like, I don't know if that's a real thing, but I do have it. Like when I like first tried Coke, I just did so much of it. But then yeah. also I was like, I did reach a point where I was like, yeah. I literally can't touch this ever again. Like, mm -hmm. and I and did. I yeah. And I remember like you smoked a cigarette and was like, you know, it was like, or like when, I mean, we smoked cigarettes in middle school too. Oh yeah. Very like 
when we got into like the heavy smoking time and late. Yeah. But like you, I remember you just talking about how much you like love just constantly, constantly smoking as oh, yeah. so like I and it's like I have that relationship with food I have it with um a lot of things like so I have a I guess I have like a moderation issue Uh (laughs) but um I haven't like um I've been lucky enough that I haven't like um had to like I haven't um gotten in too much trouble with anything yeah no that so that's I just been know that sometimes that is like a big trigger or struggle for people within the entertainment community certainly a lot of my friends um like did have to um or like are a part of programs you know to this day that have helped them and um yeah I've got like friends now who are who are sober and are so much better um uh, but, you know, because they like, you know, reached a point that I didn't reach yet. Um, right. So, yeah, that, that's that been a blessing. Um, yeah. but, but it was a big, big, big part of the scene was, yeah, I mean, just drinking and drugs and um, depression that, and ruining yeah. your days and all of that stuff. Yeah, because I know like also a lot of times in the creative world, a lot of people think that like drugs and alcohol accentuate that. Sure. Yes. They stop using or drinking or whatever they won't be as creative and that's like a huge hindrance to like people getting help in the creative world music you know entertainment whatever form of I definitely had that relationship with marijuana like well into my adulthood where I was like I don't know if I'll actually be like funny if I'm not stoned all the time but that was like I mean I just eventually reached a point where it was like actually like am dreading the pot I'm about to smoke. Like yeah. it's going to make me feel awful um, as opposed and it, what it shouldn't, it should make you laugh or whatever. <laughs> but I was like, I would just remember like about being about to like light a bowl and be like, God, I hate that I have to do this. And then I was like, oh, I actually, I actually don't. don't. And like, <laughs> w- it was able to like taper way off and I don't smoke and that anymore. And um yeah, I guess like I've had like plenty of like doing too much of substances, but like have had whatever luck or whatever it is to just, you know, I think it's just like I don't have the disease, luckily. That yeah. is it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, I think that's so interesting to just like that everyone and everyone's brain is built differently, you know? Yeah. Very cool. Well, why don't we take a little break? And we will come back and get back into more of Gabe's story. We're back. <laughs> we are back. Welcome back to the podcast. Yay. So, you know, before we left off, we've been talking to Gabe for a while about the, the different things that he'd been experiencing. And I, m- during the break, mentioned that, like, I had some more questions about um, when we were growing up, when he was growing up. And, um, you know, that was a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) far far away but like I want to know a little bit more about like you know we talked about how like comedy was something that you used to like a coping as a coping skill but that wasn't something that really started to be part of your life until college more I mean I know there was comedy sports in high school and stuff but like how did you like in the early years and everything like that, even in lower school and middle school, like how did you cope? Like how did you get by? I mean, I really bottled it up to be honest. Yeah. Like I didn't share it with people. 
Um, looking back, I'm like, I know why I was, I made that choice or I know why that seemed like the right choice to me at the time, but looking back, like I, my parents would have been really good about it. My friends would like, you would have been there for me if I had opened up, but the truth is like, I didn't, um, I let things just stay inside. And I don't know if you remember this, but I used to get um, hives no, I don't on my face. Um, um, I think I remember you getting like red, but I don't. Like, it was like twice like a, a year I would get these oh. um, just little hives everywhere. Mm-hmm. And oh, no. um, like seeking out, like I remember my, I think, we went to like my pediatrician to be like, should I go to a dermatologist? Like, what is this? And them being like, I think this is like an extreme manifestation of stress. Like you don't have any like infection, you don't have acne, you don't, um, like you literally just need to chill, but I couldn't. And it was like, I could feel like, there was this feeling my skin would get before the hives came and it was twice a year. And it was just like, when the feeling came, I was like, shit, here we go. And it was like, but it was, you know, I I don't have that anymore. I don't get hives anymore um, because I am a lot more open now about my feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been to therapy for a long time and stuff. So like, I, I have opened up, but like my parents really like, talk about my childhood the way I was was like completely shut the doors were shut like Mm -hmm. you know like I could you know chat or and I could really joke around but like I could not open up Mm -hmm. um emotionally and I didn't go to therapy as a kid um and I probably should have you know, I and, do at, think- at, and at certain points when it thing, when the bullying was bad or when my depression was really bad, like I would be like, ugh, I wish I didn't have to go to this school. And my parents would kind of like entertain like, Welsh, do you want to switch schools? But like, I wasn't sharing enough with them. Right. You know, for them to really like know what was going on or to like, I don't know. I think I just seemed like a kind of quiet, sullen kid with, you know, inside there was these crazy thunderstorms, but I just like wasn't letting them out. So I don't know if it seemed like an emergency to anyone. Yeah. I mean, same, you know, I, and like, listening to this now and like, you know, like, uh, we could have talked about so much. (laughs) Yeah. If we had talked to get to each other, because like, I didn't really talk about how I was feeling, you know, either. And and, you know, things started in middle school for me. And then like, you know, in high school was really bad. And, um, you know, like I was, so I, uh, it's like, you know, I just like, I want people who are listening to this to be like, yeah, talk to each other. Talk to that's each a, other. That's each the other. thing is like, I wish I had reached out and I'm like, I'm, ho- I mean, like the fact that you guys make this podcast and you work for this organization, like is so important. Like, I didn't um, have that, (laughs) you know, there was like the suicide hotline or whatever, right? Right. Or something like that or dare, or, you know, there was some like kind of big organizations, but like, I didn't feel like I was at, 
I didn't feel like yeah, like, this wasn't a safe you know, topic to talk about. It wasn't it was, a safe topic. It was and like, super taboo. Yeah, mental health was like pretty taboo and being gay was really taboo. And like, you know, the sort of like, you know, the AIDS crisis is so important and like, you know, so yeah. major. And it was just going on in the background of our childhood. And then that was the sort of like only like, mass media storytelling that there was about being gay so and that was the only way that it was introduced in our school at all was through that man gary who had aids yeah yeah who had aids and he would come in and talk to us about having aids and that was literally the only thing that we yeah anything about being gay was talked about in our school yeah Um, so it was for me it was just like a oh, please don't make me be gay. Please don't make me be gay. It was like my, Ugh. you know, inner prayer. Sure, um, sure. Because all that just, you knew about it was- Yeah, it just meant I was going to get bad. sick and lose my family and die. Right. Um, or it was, you know, like Ricky on My So-Called Life, a great character, very tender, but like was homeless. Mm-hmm. Right. And wasn't allowed to go to Angela's house. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so it was just like, it's not a happy life was what I was like kind of like what you were taught being told um but here I am and it's been a really good life you know yeah so you know but I there was a lot of fear and I really didn't feel safe reaching out yeah I mean I grew up with the idea that being gay would send me straight to hell so yeah like I grew up in a super religious family and was told like that was never something that I even could yeah think about yeah I mean I remember when you came out to me and you know you just kind of like were like you know I uh had sex with a man (laughs) yeah (laughs) and I was like oh so are you gay and you were like yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty sure. And and I remember what you said to me was that you didn't feel like you should have this like coming out, like needing to tell everybody that you're gay because like straight people don't have to tell like their parents and everything. Ain't that yeah. the truth? And yeah. you and and Mason, my my brother, told me that you had given him that advice too, like when he was struggling with you know when he was coming like coming into terms with his sexuality and kind of like being out and he uh and you told him that too and that was really helpful for him wow that's sweet (laughs) no I know I think that that is like such a real thing and I and I hope and pray that children of our future like my kids and my kids kids like they don't have to have that narrative right where they're like I struggled with my sexuality. Like, why? Why? Why are we struggling with it? Like, let it just be who we are. And it just like not have to be this like deep narrative of like pain and shame and fear. So like, I hope and pray that. I think in different places that's happening already. Yeah, I do You know, it's like, I think it's like place to place kind of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is like, there's people talk so much shit on like 
well, millennials, first of all, yeah, we, we get such a bad rap, but then like also like, you know, just the younger generations. And I think that's been something that's happened up forever, you know, oh, when I, back in my day, but like, um, I think that like Gen Z and stuff, they get like such a bad rap, but like, I think they're amazing. Oh, like, for sure. They're world changers. hundred percent. Yeah. The, op- the openness and acceptance and everything is like it, when I go to these schools and I see like pride flags and like, you know, all of these different, you know, mental health things. And I, it's just like, it blows me away. Like, I just like, I'm going to cry because like, yeah. I just wish this could have been the way that we had grown up, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There was so but much cool for so long. And it's cool uh, to me to think that like, this is how my kids are going to grow up. Yeah. Like they won't yeah. get to, or they may not have to experience some of the same BS that you know any of us I mean any of us went through for any reason about anything you know I hope so (laughs) I hope so I hope so too so tell us a little bit Gabe about you now what are some things that you do for yourself now to live your best life your best true self before we get there though because I do this intersex and I know that you had something really hard happen oh, yes. a couple of years and, you know, now that you are living such a beautiful life and, you know, like how you dealt with this, but I know your father. Yes. yes. Yeah. My father died, um, about three years ago. Wow. Um, it was from pancreatic cancer, which is such a bummer. Um, so hard. Um, it was really quick, which is like, I don't know why I'm always looking for the silver lining or whatever. I'm like, okay, it's a sad story. What do you say that's nice? Um, well, that's a good yeah, way to kind It was of, like, yeah. if there's any like good thing about it, it's, you know, like it was really quick. It was five weeks from when he was diagnosed to wow, when he died. So it's like, you know, they're even as like scary and, ugly and like painful as it got um it didn't like drag on for years like a lot of people's struggles with cancer do um but yeah I mean it's it's crazy to be like an adult who doesn't have both of your parents anymore you know it's like a big adjustment we can be in the club together okay yeah like it's kind of an adjustment you know it's a total adjustment it's weird and I lost my parents when I was young Mm. so like I'm an adult with none of my parents and it still is a like weird adjustment to me (laughs) yeah I'm sure um my parents like were married to the end my mom's a widow now um and you know it's like it's just so strange I mean it's just like a complete like shift in reality um you know uh our relationship was really good at the end like I'm really thankful about that because like you know in our teen years like when I was like at my most angry and most depressed I was like such a dick to him Mm. and he was a dick back you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know it's like it certainly wasn't all my fault but like you know like basically just to say like of all the times he could have died like on the timeline of our relationship that was probably like ideal like he was at my wedding he saw me you know 
be able to, you know, he saw him, he was so like supportive of my risky career choice, which is, you know, like it was, I know it was hard for him because he put me through an expensive college. And then I was like, and now what I'm going to do is something that's impossible that everyone fails at, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to like take this degree that you helped me get and just, you know, live a stable life. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was like something that was really hard for him to wrap his head around, but he did it quickly enough and he did get to see it pay off, which mm -hmm. I'm really grateful about. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, but it was really sad. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was sad. just so weird. I mean, like renting a hospital bed, you know, just mm -hmm. like, oh, it just, yeah. these, you know, just that. The nitty gritty of it was like really tough, obviously. Of course, and I'm sure brought a lot of feelings for you, you know, more depression and more yeah. sadness and just going through loss, like grief and loss is not easy. And yeah. grief and loss of a parent, like that's like a whole layer of trauma that isn't often talked about, I feel like, um, and it's hard. Yeah. It is yeah. hard. It was, it was totally hard. Not um, not and sometimes I forget it happened like mm -hmm. in a weird way, you know, like, yeah, sometimes I feel I'm that. like oh, I really right, right, right. My, we're not a family of five or, you know what I mean? Like, right. Just, just a thing has changed and he's not going to be at Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's also, yeah, it's been a couple years. Um, and my mom's doing well and Good. my brother and sister are doing well and, Julie, Julie and I are like Facebook in sync. We like share each other's posts and like, like we're, we're like all of our posts we share. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. I, someone told me when I was like in like knee deep in grief and loss around my parents dying, they said something like, you will never get over this. Like, this is not something that you will ever like get over. Like you'll be able to get through it. Yeah. That and like, you'll sense. be able to like move forward and like move through things and live your life. But like, don't ever give yourself like, okay, like I should be over this by now or like yeah. it's been X amount of years. I should feel different. Like, no, you shouldn't yeah. <laughs> you feel however you're going to feel. Yeah. I'm so, I'm always surprised when I think of him, it's like, I was, I guess I had an idea of like what grief is where it would be like seeing a picture of him would give me chills or whatever, but it's yeah. actually like really weird, different. Like there are certain, like, like I was at the grocery store. It's like, I was, and it was like, he always liked this one kind of olive. It's like stuff like that where I'm like, Oh, those are the olives that my dad would get. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, maybe I'll get them this time. It's not the kind of olive I, I usually get, but yeah. you know, like little things like that. Um, and he, he died before the pandemic and like, he just had like a really funny, he had a really big, very weird personality, to be honest. And <laughs> it's been, like, the apple doesn't while, fall far, huh? <laughs> absolutely. And there's like a couple of moments where I'm like, what would he have been like with masks? Yeah. Like, would he have like <laughs> been like, these are stupid? Or would he have been like, uh, you know, like there was a funny thing about him where he was a major contrarian, but then there would be these little things where he would act like almost like he invented it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. like he likes it even more than you do. Um, so it was like, I, I was like talking to my mom. I was like, do you think he'd be good about like washing his hands and wearing a mask? 
or would he have it? Would he roll his eyes about that? Or do you think he'd be like the most intense about it as if like he's going to take COVID down himself right. <laughs> and everyone else is an idiot, you know? And she was like the second, the second. The second one. Oh, I yeah. love that. He, he would have acted like he invented PPE basically. For sure, yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. That's amazing. So it's like, yeah, it's funny when I think of him. It's like, not yeah. when I thought I would. Yeah, that's that's really, I love that. Like, I, I remember like, I never knew whether he, I was like on his good side or his bad side, you know, like, cause I- Yeah. <laughs> But then I remember like all of a sudden him inviting me to come to Paso, like to Cedar. And like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I love. No, he loved you. He loved and, you. Yeah, He's just yeah. a weird guy. I know. I, I, never, I, loved I never knew where I stood with your parents either. This is like interesting. Well, our parents. Our parents. Did not get along. Did not get along. <laughs> and so, so that's true. hard for kids. Yeah. But I was. always felt like a little bit like on trial at your house. And I bet you did at my house too. Yeah. Yeah, that's so it must have been because of this perceived war yeah. between our parents that I mean, my parents love you like they're I, my mom. Yeah, my parents love you, too. Yeah, oh, my mom's already love. They just don't love each other. Well, my <laughs> love me, too. So. Yeah. Okay, my, good, my good. mom has Q-Force lined up. She's going to be. Oh, my God. I love that. I was like, I was like, I'm not sure, like, if it's your cup of tea, but like if listening to Gabe and like it's just she's like I can't wait I can't wait so <laughs> it's awesome. not everyone's cup of tea but I did get from one of my mom's friends um the comment was that the uh the colors were really pretty <laughs> and I was like okay that's a nice way to be like I hated the show but yeah my mom's just not a fan of animated things but like no she'll anything that's like power to the LGBT community my mom gets behind you know like she's You're right anything so she's gonna and the fact that it's you she's gonna like she's gonna love it so great um, very good but, I want to yeah. know what Gabe's doing now because I could yeah. talk to Gabe all day long but we only have a few minutes left okay so tell me what's up with you now how are you living um I I mean we're still in the lockdown out here in Los Angeles um I'm still working from home every day the pandemic is like I feel like shocked that we're still in this you know reality mm -hmm. um sometimes I love it like Same. I know that most people use the term anti-social wrong like that's not what it means actually or something but like right, I actually right, right. like I like the I've I'm such a homebody that like this has been really soothing to me in a lot of ways like mm -hmm. I've sometimes I love it um, but yeah. then also sometimes I'm like, this is unhealthy and it's weird yeah. and we're getting weird and we're all becoming gray gardens versions of ourselves. <laughs> my <laughs> God, Mason just, Mason just said that my mom and I are going to be gray gardens. <laughs> like, my mom and sister call each other big Edie and little Edie. Um, but yeah, they, um, okay. we're all that's, just, yeah, I think, I think there's, that's, we're all just like a little weird right now. And I have to like, yeah. sometimes I'm like, God, I'm so weird. I'm, I'm in such a weird place. And then I'm like, but everyone is. And like, I find everyone effort is. in that. Yeah. Everyone um, is in a weird place. Like not, yeah. this is a weird, still a weird place transitioning. It's just like a weird. That's yeah. exactly the right word to put weird. Yeah. 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 Um, so we do need to jump. So car do you want to ask your question i do i do i always like to ask the question to our guests 
that if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would you tell him? So that cute little Gabe back in middle school or high school or before then, look him in the eyeballs. You know, I thought I was gonna say one thing <laughs> when I knew you were gonna ask this question um, coming into this podcast, but actually like after talking to you guys, I have like completely different advice. Okay. that I would like to give myself little Gabe, which is like, reach out, like, just like, um, I don't think I've ever like realized how much it was like me keeping the lid on the bottle. Um, and yeah, with like some perspective, I can honestly say like, there actually are like allies in your world um, and you're not gonna freak them out. That's what I would tell little Gabe. Like, just like, you don't have to do this all by yourself. Yes, you are not alone. Yeah. I love that. And I think that so many people need to hear that because I'm sure that there are so many people in this world or listening to this podcast that feel like they can't talk to anybody or that they have no one or that they are yeah. alone. I want to say something real fast is that, you know, just the end, like I recently made my amends during the pandemic. I made my, you know, I'm in, AA and whatever I talk about all the time. I'm in AA. Ninth step is we make amends. And I made my amends to Gabe this year. And um, when I, before I did it, I texted Amanda and Claire. I don't think I told you this. And I was like, I have, I'm making a list of the things that I need to make amends. Is there something that you guys can think of that I might be forgetting? (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. And Claire said, maybe just that we weren't there for him enough. And this is like a cry, make me cry again. Like, you know, when he was struggling and it like, you know, yeah, I, I, again, we'll just, you know, make amends that maybe we weren't there for you enough. It's like, but in retrospect, I can see like you would have been, you know, mm-hmm. right. like, so I will obviously like, I absorb your amends or whatever, <laughs> whatever the amendee or whatever does. But um, I don't think of that as like you or, or any of our friends' shortcoming at all. Like you were right there and yeah. I had your numbers and we saw each other every day. Right. You know what I mean? So could you have pushed harder? I don't know if I would have liked that. Right. You know, so like, that's a really good point to make. Yeah. So like, People I don't ask like about. if you would have been like, look, I know you're gay. Do you want to chat about? I don't think that would have gone well. <laughs> right, you know what like, I mean? Whatever. Like you don't even know. Anything yeah. So been- like, I don't, I don't, I don't look at back at that and been like, you guys weren't good enough friends. I, I honestly, I look back and with think like, I wish I had like known how good everyone would have been to me as yeah. soon as I opened up. It just was scary too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love love you and I just met you an hour ago I love you too yes Yes. oh my gosh well where can we find some of your stuff where can you find and you on socials any of your work that you've done my social handles are all just my name at Gabe Liebman (laughs) um but like I said I have stepped away so don't expect updates I this is a big investment in my own mental health it's like perfect I literally have locked my accounts um or just made it a little humiliating to log in there's a lot of steps um But then we can watch you on. But yes, uh, check out Q Q Force on Netflix um, that I created, and I voice a bunch of the characters. Um, and watch Pen oh, Fifteen bunch. on Hulu. Pen Fifteen. Uh, 
that's another show that I write and executive produce. And uh, those are probably- Which like is slightly, things. which is slightly traumatic for me. <laughs> yes, it's not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> well, just, um, it's just definitely uh, middle school trauma dramedy. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe those are the best things. Oh, and um, I worked on Brooklyn Nine-Nine for a really long time and it just had its series finale and I have one line on the finale. So yeah, Lincoln, you'll miss me, but there I am as the, uh, <laughs> the medical examiner crime scene guy. Perfect. Um, yeah. And wow. you can, and you can search for your like, uh, stand up and stuff on. Yeah. On comedycentral.com, you can see a lot of my special and you can get my, you can stream my album for free on every streaming thing. And yeah. yeah. Hey, oh Yay. my gosh. You are so cool. And where can people find us, Becca? Okay, so we now have a website, which is very exciting. Um, and it is Diana Podcast with Nami Philly. Dom- need to consider making this shorter. <laughs> yeah, well, we can, uh, we'll talk about that later. I have a, but uh, the Diana Podcast with Nami Philly.wordpress.com. Yay. <laughs> or you can download this on any streaming service, Spotify, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever. And we are on Instagram at the underscore Yana podcast. So. Yay. And we release new episodes every Tuesday. So mm-hmm. if you are listening and you want to share your story on the Yana podcast, or if you know anyone who wants to share their mental health journey with us. Um, send us a DM on Instagram and we would love to chat with you about how Yay. to get you on this pod, this little potty pod. Yay. Potty. Awesome. I don't know. So, I, <laughs> I felt led. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time. See you later. Peace and, Peace and love. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Or you can text NAMI to the Crisis Text Line at 741741. Or go to NAMI.org for more information. Remember, you are not alone.